This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome everyone back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods. From Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abram from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. I am in a remote location. We're not doing a simulcast of the show this week on YouTube, so apologies for that. We won't have any sound effects either, Dave, so it's going to be, you know, even a lower quality show than we're normally doing, which that says something. Oh, that means I have to do all the Pac-12 ones too. You're gonna have to do all of them. You know, you're gonna be, you're gonna be a busy man. Very uh, good. Yeah. Well, we got a lot to get to. Um, we want to let you know if you want to send us an email uh, about what's going on with the show, about what's going on in the Pac-12. You can do that Pac-12 podcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us at four two four. 532-0678, or you can tweet us at Pac-12 Podcast, and the website, of course, is Pac-12Podcast.com. Uh, the survival pool, there's always a link in there on, on Pac-12Podcast.com, so I got some tweets this morning, people asking where their survival pool is. You can always get the links up there. It's the same link to put your picks in every week. Uh, you can go to Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions, and of course, the Apple Podcasting app is where you want to find us if you got an Apple device. Uh, that's the most popular way to listen to podcasts. And if you follow us there and rate us a five, five stars, we would really appreciate that. But wherever you follow us, we appreciate it on all the different podcasting apps. And you can go to the, uh, our Pac-12 podcast YouTube page too, where we normally do the simulcast and stuff. But any, who, uh, 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 Ryan, just really quick, who are you picking in the survival pool this week? We're going to go, well, hold on. Do you have any uh, new reviews? We have reviews or no? Uh, no, no, none. God, no. Uh, but I was just, I was just wondering because you mentioned the survivor pool, and I was just wondering right. where, wh- what your thinking is right now in terms Let's of who you're going to pick. So we only had 209 people survive week two, uh, and then of the 290, 209 people that were in there, only 93 survived. But certainly the two, certainly the two hosts survived, right? Not 91 of us. Uh, including Matthew, who runs this pool, uh, are now eliminated because of a now unemployed coach. Uh, a lot of people picked Arizona State. So, uh, yeah, most people in this picked Arizona State. And second most was Washington State, who you picked. Uh, or There were some picks for Oregon State, some Arizona picks, which that seems a little crazy. Three people picked UCLA. Holy cow, they were like... Uh, 
worried a little bit about that. Uh, three people picked Utah and two people picked USC and one person picked Washington. So some adventurous people out there. But yes, uh, I was eliminated along with most of the people. <laughs> so that's good for you. If you if you survived, it's good for you. So this week I'm picking UCLA. Nice. You're going to take UCLA. All right. Correct. I have no pick. So uh, yeah, you can't pick because you didn't advance past last week. Right. Um, well, let's talk about the thing that actually matters and our picks against the spread because we were both a very mediocre 11-11 and one. You had a good week. I mean, a normal good week. Eight and three against the spread. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I went nine and two and just crushed your ass, which was great. Um, it really helped. But but which one of our dumbasses picked Arizona State to win? We both did. But who picked them in the actual survival pool? Well, that, that, that doesn't matter. There's no money in the survival pool. We're picking it against the spread. It, it, is there underwear involved? Because we know yeah. what the true currency of the podcast of champions is. Right. It's underwear. I, I in prison, have... it's cigarettes. And here on the POC, it's underwear. They have the gift cards, so I've already won that. Like, I can keep those if I want to, so there's no big deal. <laughs> also, uh, Matthew, Matthew, what are we paying you for, buddy? You're saying week three picks in this form right now. Get your head uh, in the game, yeah. buddy. I know. We, we're going to have to dock his pay. Um, so yeah, I know what. So, but yeah, my my bookie account, David, is significantly better uh, from this last week. Going nine and two, I was so excited. It was great. I won all of my bets. Plus, I still have the Arizona State under six and a half wins for the season bet. That's you know just still lingering, and I mean a lot better now after uh, <laughs> looking after looking what? pretty good after losing at home to a bunch of accountants. That's that's uh, that's that's something that I'm looking forward to that. But uh, if you have not gotten into my bookie yet, I'm having a blast doing my picks with my bookie. Um, so hopefully you are, too. If you're in there, if you're not, you can double your deposit right now with the promo code PAC12. So up to one thousand dollars, your first deposit with my bookie, uh, you can get a double. So if you put in one hundred bucks, you can get to two hundred. If you put up to a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars, you'd get two thousand dollars in there. To bet with my bookie, follow along on our picks. We're not sure how long they're going to be good, but they were good this week. Our records are much better now, uh, which is very nice. Uh, I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, go over to my bookie and uh, use the promo code PAC12. They got all kinds of different stuff you can bet on. It's not just the Pac-12 football, NFL, if you get into that. Those Thursday night games are getting pretty fun uh, on Amazon, which is interesting. It's interesting for the Pac-12 because... They could be involved with Amazon. I guess they got a big rating, David, this last week. But if you want to bet on anything, um, heck, you want to bet on baseball, it seems kind of silly. But go ahead, bet on that over at MyBookie. But uh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. you got to do the MyBookie account, David. It's just I know. Great. i got to get in there. i got to get in there, especially with how good my picks are and my ability to pick correctly in the survival pool. Yeah. You know, know, got obviously, that makes you no money. Who's going to win versus who's going to lose, which I think is the fundamental. Yeah, that just makes you no money. But it's you know it's good for... Well, like if I was doing a parlay with just picking winners, right? You know, that would be more my skill than than yours, obviously. <laughs> Overall record, I'm now twenty thirteen and one picking against the spread. You are nineteen fourteen and one. So we're doing we're doing good. Uh, and that's the end. And I usually this is where I struggle usually in the out of conference stuff. Uh, so it was great to kind of finish 
strongly uh, out of conference. Um, so I, I did enjoy that. Uh, let's see. We want to. Um, what do you have the picks for the? You said drive. Oh, the Google Drive. I didn't put any picks in there this week. Why would we? Uh, I'm not doing a video show. Gotcha. All right. Oh, you put that on that thing there. All right. Perfect. Uh, well, we got some breaking news. I don't have the the sound effects, but uh, was like a trumpet. Big big news. Pac-12 coaching world. Uh, big news is uh, Carl Durrell is still the head coach at Colorado. <laughs> uh, oh, he's got a... I, so <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Colorado fans, but like I think you should embrace this too. He needs to remain the coach to the end of the season. Why? 0-12 is so much better than 1-11 or 2-10 that you might get with an interim, right? You'll get the inspiration from an interim head coach. But what is historic about going 1-11? What is historic about going 2-10? You know what's historic? You know what's cool? You know what you can walk into the like loser's like lounge and say, hey, you know what we did? We didn't win a game. We didn't win a game all year. We, we had games where we played against injured teams, and we still didn't win a game. It's like it's like missing every question on the SAT, right? You have to try to be that bad. So I yeah, think— like if you do Keno and you get zero numbers, like it's yeah. like you, you win money. Everyone should be rooting for Carl Durrell to maintain his job through the end of the season. And no longer. Like I'm not, I'm not wishing you ill, Colorado fans. I'm just saying what—pursue greatness in whichever ways you can, okay? And right now, you're not going to have a good team this year. Like, even if you got an interim right now, it's not going to be a good team. But you could pursue something rare, something unique, something great. Keep Carl Durrell, go 0-12, never be within four touchdowns of the other team. Well, here's the problem um, of what's going on. Uh, his buyout is like over $11 million. And it doesn't. it drops by a few million at the end of the year. You know, so it's not even like you could fire him in November. You're, you're going to have some GoFundMe's to fund that thing. Like, I will chip in a few dollars. Yeah, it just, this is another case where, and I, I think Rick George is a good athletic director, but holy cow. Like, you could say, well, when you hired him, because when Mel Tucker left, there was limited options. But this contract sounds just shitty. And I get, you know, it's extended during the pandemic. Um, so it's like. All right, but the, this was he was fleeced by an agent, and I don't think Colorado. And the statement, if you saw the statement Rick George put out there, or he, I, I forget it was the statement or it was on some radio interview or something. It just doesn't sound like they're going to fire him. Like there's like buckle down, you know, Colorado fans. So I think he's sticking around. So that's the unfortunate. It might be even after this year where if David, I mean, can you survive zero and twelve? No, care how much money? It is. No, no, no. There's no way. There's no way. No one survives zero and twelve. Um, yeah, uh, guys, it'll be so cool. Like, it, it, look, I know it's going to be hard to get through, but it's going to be hard to get through even if it's two and 10. Oh, and 12. Let's pursue it. Okay. We're trying to reach the pinnacle here. All right. Colorado fans. Uh, and then the other, you know, not a quite as important breaking news is that Herm Edwards was fired. Yeah. Um, foregone yeah. conclusion should have happened a long time ago. Duh. Like, I mean, this is what's in now. Like you fire a coach after a couple weeks of the season, which you're sort of like, well, why didn't you fire him last year? You know, what's uh, just, I, I don't see, I mean, the fact that Herm is gone, 
all those assistants are gone and Ray Anderson is still there and Michael Crow is still there. I mean, the question is going to be, does Ray Anderson have anything to do with uh, the firing? I mean, the hiring of the next coach. I don't think he should, but, um, you know, Michael Crow is culpable in all of this. I, when your leaders are making terrible choices and, and bad decisions and saying stupid things, do you trust them to, you know, go forward and, and do something? I mean, I don't know. I don't trust them to, to make the next hire. And uh, I love the speculation about the hire. What people? Are I don't know to. that I would trust them to park my car. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> making a million dollar decision? Are you kidding me? Million, you know, tens of millions. I mean, yeah, no, um, no way. No, 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 no. Good God. No. I, I mean, I'm thinking do something different this time. Like, why don't you get someone that's, you know, maybe as coaching experience, but hasn't done it for a long time. Like someone in the media, maybe, or something like that. Like that would be kind of cool. Like maybe, it. maybe a, a couple of guys, maybe uh, do a new, new leadership model. Maybe a couple of guys from the media who have a passing familiarity with the entire Pac-12. Who've never had any experience coaching football at any level? Could we be worse? I I don't see how. I we don't wouldn't be zero twelve. We wouldn't be zero twelve. No, no, no. Because I think we both understand we don't know anything, and so you hire people who actually know stuff. Ego yeah. wouldn't play into it, right? Exactly. We wouldn't think we know anything because we truly don't. Yeah. Really, we're the perfect head coach. I think we would be great. It'd be a tag yeah. team. Yeah. You know? Would you would handle all of the all of the like running the team stuff, and uh, I would I would talk to the media. <laughs> nice. Um, I love like some interesting candidates and stuff out there. But wh- what are your thoughts on like you know Coach Prime, like a Deion Sanders? Like, uh, I, I, look, there's only one name that matters in this coaching candidacy, and you know who it is. Rick Grew up in Arizona, graduated from an Arizona high school, tons of familiar with Pac-12, has coached, has been the head coach of three different Pac-12 institutions. Got to go Ricky New, baby. Rick, nice. Um, he graduated from a high school in Tempe. This is a hometown boy. Yeah. Make I it happen. It. Uh, so we'll see. Up, the, fueling Chris, up on the sidelines for 10 years. He's our ready. friend Chris. Chris Cartman actually broke the news, so props to him. Um, and uh, you know, their their hot board and stuff is great. So go, um, go check it out. And uh, yeah, this is a big big news around the Pac-12. So um, we talked about that. We also I saw um, John Canzano and John Wilner in their new podcast. They had their first guest, and it was George Klyovkov. He was supposed to come on our show. But then the whole like USC UCLA thing happened, and I don't think they want to come on our show anymore. Uh, but yeah, so that was kind of an interesting interview. I think they had like a half an hour with him um, talking about. One of the interesting things he said was that he felt that he's still pushing this whole UCLA thing, um, you know, sticking around. And he said basically he thinks their 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 calculations. I think he called it back of the napkin calculations was that UCLA was going to lose money by going to the Big Ten. And he said the only reason they left was financial reasons. So why would you leave if you're going to lose money? Um, Wilner did a column on it and couldn't really find it where UCLA would actually be losing money. But, you know, there's there's factors involved. Um, 
but I don't know. Any thoughts? Yeah, well, on, so on that? the the thing I would say is two things are true. One, the difference in the TV payout is not the only number to consider. Like whatever it would be, forty to eighty, whatever the hell it is. Um, it's not going to be a forty million dollar difference because there are costs associated with going to the Big Ten, and there's some implicit costs that aren't expressed, like. You're going to lose more games, as we've talked about here, um, because you're playing more road games. Um, you're not going to have the same teams every year. And some years, the schedule at home is going to suck because you're going to have like Iowa and Rutgers and stuff coming to town. So you're not going to get the ticket sales that you think. But still, end of the day, it's probably a difference of at least 15 or 20 million per year that UCLA is clearing that they wouldn't otherwise be getting. Um my question is, is that enough? Like, is that enough money to make this worth it for UCLA? Um, and, you know, I've got complicated feelings about going to the Big Ten. I think it's going to be stupid and awful, um, but I understand the realities of it to an extent. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the money is different. It's just a question of how different it's actually going to end up being, you know, end of year bottom line. When you factor in your teams might be worse and your season ticket sales might continue to suffer because of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's definitely some potential, there's risk factors and stuff there, but uh, I just felt it was, I don't know if like Klyovkov was. No, and he wasn't even factor. I think Klyovkov is being shady. <laughs> like He's not factoring in any of that. He was like trying to say it was purely the like dollars and cents out of like chartering planes for, I don't know, women's water polo. The thing is, I still am skeptical that all sports are going to go to the Big Ten. Um, I, I'm i having a hard time seeing that. I think you're going to still end up with, you know, water polo especially. That's still going to be the MPSF. Um, but, like, is baseball really going to do all this in the Big Ten? Or are they going to stay in some sort of Western League? Um, th- there will be some interesting things that I think come out about the Olympic sports over the next two years. Yeah, they, I mean, I could see that something. I mean, football is the main. Also, one. they're not going to charter. They're not going to charter planes for all the Olympic sports. It's just not going to happen. That would be pretty expensive, I think. Yeah, they're not going to do that. But I, I can't. You're make a lot of money. Yeah. Anyway, um, who cares? It's money. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Pac-12, uh, twenty-four and nine in non-conference play. So last year, sixteen and six. So that's kind of an interesting little. 16 and 16. It was pretty good. I'm sorry, 16 and 16. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Wilner noted that with Washington and Oregon beating ranked teams at home, that's the first time Pac-12 had two wins over ranked teams on the same Saturday since September 14th, 2013, so like nine years ago. Uh, ASU beat Wisconsin and UCLA beat Nebraska at the time. The last time uh, the Pac-12 was good. Yeah, the Pac-12 wasn't really hasn't been that good since then. Yeah, 2013. Um, well, I, I should be fair. 2013 was one of the best years for the Pac-12 ever. Um, so, you know, because like those that ASU and that UCLA team, those were both teams that if you just thrust them into the Pac-12 from last year, would have run away with the league, like just run away with it. Uh, but instead, they were like third and fourth that year. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And we also had a tweet from uh, Greg D. Emroz, uh, he had said with this win, uh, so with Oregon State's win and Washington State's win, it's the first time since 1915, uh, more than a century ago, that the Beavs and Cougs both started 3-0 in the same season. Good God. 
So Pacific Northwest, I think 11 and one, uh, not a bad start for the Pacific Northwest schools. Um, yeah. So I think that was there. like, that was right around the first battle of the Marne. <laughs> I think, I think you're right. Yes. Maybe the, maybe the second or third battle of the Gipris. <laughs> Was Gallipoli around then? Who knows? <laughs> nice. Were the Anzac right. showing their medal? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let's jump into uh, the results. And we have a new power ranking. And we'll go from uh, from the lowest to the highest. I don't know if you can guess who our number 12 team is, <laughs> David. But number 12 team. Colorado Buffaloes. <laughs> Um, nice. We got to think up a better sound. Like we, you know, we have the cougar meow. We got to yeah. think up something like a dying buffalo or something. Um, okay, so Minnesota was favored by twenty-seven and a half points, which we laughed at. That was funny. That was a funny spread. They won this game by forty-two points. It was thirty-five nothing at halftime over Colorado. Uh, they won forty-nine to seven. Colorado is completely inept. They played three quarterbacks in this game. They're trying the fans. I see them. I see you. I see you out there trying to talk yourself into Owen McCown. Owen McCown was playing against uh, truck drivers at the end of this game. Minnesota had emptied the bench. There were like fifth stringers in there. Um, JT Strout, uh, Brendan Lewis combined for 38 throwing yards. That's not a misprint. 38 um, on 17 throws. So, Which drive was that? That was what? That was no, no, no. That was total, total for the game. Oh, in the whole game. In the whole game, they had thirty-eight passing yards. The two, oh. the two uh, starting quarterbacks. Um, early in this game, they were not running the ball at all. Like I think for a long stretch of this game, their yardage was fewer than Minnesota's points um, total. Um, that finally switched. Uh, Deion Smith had a couple of nice runs, but. Um, it's just a horrendous offensive effort. Um, you can see how demoralized this defense is, but I think the defense on top of being demoralized is also just bad um, and poorly coached. Um, they got run over again for the second straight week by an entirely different type of offense. Uh, you know, Air Force, you can say, oh, it was the option. Uh, you know, things happen. Uh, no, Minnesota ran for uh, 334 yards on 52 carries. Uh, no one is throwing on this Colorado defense, but the reason is you don't have to. You can just run it on them. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a comprehensive blowout. Colorado's horrible. They're one of the worst teams I've ever seen play football. Yeah, they should hire like Minnesota's offensive coordinator, you know, because they <laughs> score those points. Oh, wait, they did that last year. Yeah. Uh, 79 to 7 in the two meetings with Minnesota. That's uh, pretty rough. Um, that was the out. Those are score. 79 total points for right. Minnesota. Correct. Seven, seven points, all seven of them for Colorado. First time in 132 years of Colorado football that they've been 0-3 with three straight losses of 25 or more points. So that is not good. They haven't been 0-3 since 2012, but it wasn't that bad in 2012 because they didn't get blown out in the same way. So, um, yeah, it's not good. I don't even think we should talk about it. No, I'm done. Yeah. So Colorado... I mean, we're going to care about you when when 0-12, like 0-12 is tangible. Like it, you can taste it. But Yeah. No, and when, when we get closer, we'll start doing 0-12 watch. Yeah, you're 0-3. Like, I, like I'm, I mean, it's like a pitcher that's like 
mowed down like the, he's th- you know three innings of perfect you know perfect game through three innings he's mowing everyone down no one's yeah but you can't talk about it. but it looks like holy cow like no one can even touch this guy like yeah. this is you know so there's potential <laughs> no one no one can touch you Colorado yeah you got <laughs> as this, far man. as ineptness you are rocking it yeah uh, okay our number eleven team Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> um, all right. So ASU. Uh, so I don't know how closely anybody else watched this. I watched like the entire second half and good portion of the first half um, because the UCL, USC uh, Fresno State game was really depressing very quickly. Right. Um, By the way, we got the Colorado game right because we, <laughs> yeah, we, no we took Minnesota minus a million. <laughs> minus we whatever. Um, all right. <laughs> ASU lost. They found a way to lose to Eastern Michigan, 30 to 21. It really didn't feel that close. Um, Eastern Michigan had this dude, Samson Evans, um, who looks like, uh, he's going to be like a marketing assistant in a few years at some like mid-level firm. Like he, he, he probably doesn't have a future playing football is what I'm saying here. Uh, they let that dude run 36 times for 258 yards. He was just murdering them just seven yards a clip every single carry just okay yeah okay yeah and they weren't doing anything this was such a just roll over and die defensive performance from the arizona state defensive front it was incredible to watch uh eastern michigan had a total of 305 yards on the ground um just it was stunning absolutely stunning um I mean, ASU, for their part, I mean, uh, Valade is a good running back, um, but they do not have a ton of firepower offensively. It still seems like this thing is designed to score exactly 21 to 28 points a game. Um, and if they can't win with that, they're screwed and they can't win with that. Um, yeah. I think what we were talking about preseason, about ASU potentially being, you know, uh, eventually circling the drain and, and, you know, being flushed, maybe they'll rebound without Herm, but um they just don't look good Uh, a defense that gives up 305 to rushing to eastern michigan is probably not going to do too well in the pac-12 hell no and uh, we got this one wrong we both were really like we wanted to like cut ourselves we got we got super stupid we got really dumb once i realized like in my picks column that i do on fridays like literally a day later i didn't pick asu to cover i don't know what was wrong with our brains during that show i'm not sure um, I, I think you said it and I agreed with you and I, I told everyone like, this doesn't make any sense, but Eastern Michigan wasn't good. Um, you know, Eastern Michigan is not one of the good, like directional Michigan, Michigan schools. They lost to Louisiana who lost to rice, who you've seen the PAC 12 when USC pasted. They, they lost to a staple food. Yes. Yes. Uh, so like transitive property, not good, uh, for Arizona state here. Um, it's uh yeah it's this is not this is not um this is not a good thing uh for the Pac-12 but i mean it's a good thing for Arizona State that you're going to get rid of Herm and maybe they rally around him but you can't just get pushed around by like a just a really terrible program and that's what they did the you know we talked about like linebacker depth you know they only have like a handful of scholarship linebackers is only a handful of scholarship receivers, um, stuff like that you felt was going to catch up to you eventually. And uh, <laughs> they look good week one, and the wheels have fallen off. It's probably faster than I thought. Um, I think 
I was definitely low on Arizona State going into the season. I feel pretty good about that right now. Obviously, you know, picking them to go under six and a half. And I heard other shows, people talking about them, like, going seven and five. And I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, um, I had them at four and eight. Wait, no, no, that's not right. Yeah, yeah, I had them at four and eight. But I did have them winning this game. So maybe yeah, I, well, I think everybody had them winning this game, but like, um, yeah. yeah, I had them at two. I have them at two and ten. No, we both we picked them. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. One, two, three. I have them at three and nine. Yeah, I had them winning this game, and I had them beating Stanford at Stanford. I don't know. You have them beating Washington. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> that's awesome feel good, feel good about that one <laughs> so I'm at 3-9 and nine, and I think that's going to be pretty pretty accurate uh, going forward speaking of the number 10 team we've got Stanford Cardinal <laughs> um, Stanford was blessedly on a bye this week so we didn't have to watch yeah. them and miraculously they moved up somehow we did well because Arizona State. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, because Arizona State went out there and Arizona State did. Anyway, they completely did. Our number no, nine uh, team. Our number nine team is the California Golden Bears. Bro. Um, Cal somehow didn't beat Notre Dame. Um, so there was a controversial call in this game, and it was controversial because um, it was a completely bullshit call um, that granted Notre Dame an offsides, uh, which led to a score, which drastically changed the complexion of this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, both these teams are terrible. Uh, Notre Dame and Cal are both bad. Their offenses are both bad. Their defenses might be okay, but I think their offenses are just bad. Um, so one of them was bound to win. One of them was bound to lose. Did it take a bullshit call for it to be Notre Dame to win? Yeah. But would it have changed Cal's season drastically if they'd won this game? Probably not. They're not very good. So let's not let's not get too excited about this, Cal fans. I've seen a lot of you coming out of the woodwork for the first time since 2005 on Twitter. I've seen you. And you're like, oh, you didn't watch the game. You don't know what the I, I know what the call was. All right. I understand. It just doesn't matter. Your, your team's kind of bad. Jack Plummer's not a good quarterback. Um, you can't really run the ball that well, um, and your defense is merely fine. So you're you're still going to go like six and six this year. Chill out. Yeah, we got this one right. We uh, took both took Cal minus, I mean, plus eleven, and uh, I guess it got a little hairy there at the end where there was like a fumble return for a touchdown that um, they called back. Uh, the knee was down, so and there was a Harold Mary at the end that was tipped all over the place and hit the Cal's receivers in the hands and. Uh, didn't come through, but you know, Notre Dame, they just, they needed a win badly. Uh, Marcus Freeman didn't have one. He needed one. Um, they broke up the green jerseys. I don't know if I hadn't watched the Notre Dame game before, but like Jason Garrett's like on color now. And I don't know who the play by play guy is. I'm like, I don't know who these guys are. It didn't sound very good to me. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, it was, this was just sort of like, eh. What, you know, it, it could have, it almost was a backdoor cover. Cal was, should have won the game, like you mentioned. But to me, and like the people that are telling me that are like, Cal's going to be terrible. Like, you know, I don't think Notre Dame's that good. I don't think Cal's that good, but I think they're just going to be in a bunch of games. And that's why I think they can go bull. They can go like six and six or something and just be like 
you know, not a great Cal team, not a terrible Cal team. Um, so I, I think this sort of like justified how I thought this team was going to be this year. Like that looked like a six and six team out there. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, basically. Yeah. But, um, it would have been a good win for the PAC 12. Uh, but Stanford gets a shot at Notre Dame and so does USC. So the only out of conference games left, I think, uh, I think Stanford still has a BYU game on there too. Right. Um, all right. Let's go to our number eight team, which is, this is a crime. I mean, but yeah, uh, eight. Okay. UCLA Bruins. Um, they, uh, I mean, really, you're right. They had Dude, they a beat Alabama, stirring, like, really close game. A stirring comeback victory over a team from Alabama. Um, fought back tooth and nail from being down by like eight points uh, to come back and win with a game-winning field goal. I don't know why anyone is talking shit about this. I don't know why I did. You know, it was a great win. Uh, UCLA should have lost this game. Uh, South Alabama's coach went fully galaxy-brained um, on his final drive. South Alabama had the ball with control, could have ended the game with their offense on the field. They chose not to because their coach um, went super-brained um, and decided to fake a field goal instead of just running his offense out there, which had been getting... I, Literally, until the faked field goal, UCLA didn't have a tackle for loss. All they had to do was get two yards on fourth and two to convert. Their odds of getting fourth and two converted at that point in the game, after what we just watched, was probably like 85%. Like, they were going to get those two yards. Uh, they chose not to. They chose to run a fake field goal. UCLA tackled the guy for a loss, then drove down, kicked the field goal. Um Defense is super bad. UCLA's defense is not good. Uh, any any hot talk in the preseason from me, from anyone else, saying, oh, the defense might be fine? No, it's bad. It's bad. Secondary's bad. Um, they've got a lot of work to do. Um, defensive scheme is bad. Very passive. Uh, base pass rush is non-existent. Um, and uh, linebacker play hasn't been good. So... Uh, all told, all three levels, not very good. Uh, they lost um, one of their starting defensive tackles for the season and possibly his career in this game. Uh, Martin Andrus has had a host of knee injuries. He just got another one, which is really, really sad. Um, and then Gary Smith, who had been the one defensive tackle who had actually been playing pretty well, uh, also went down with an injury. He's unlikely to play this week. So uh, their defensive tackle depth is getting thin on an already bad defense. So not good. They beat South Alabama by a point. Um, we got this one wrong because we took UCLA minus 15 and a half, uh, bad on us. Well, that, that was the only two, this one in Arizona State, the only two I got wrong. But you gotta look at the positives, David. The first time starting three and oh since 2015. Uh, six straight overall win, the longest winning streak since 2013, 2014, back when the Pac 12 was good. Things are looking up in Westwood. I'm so um, done with you. This, uh, you know, when, when you're, rooting for these teams to, like, cover spreads or whatever. Uh, there was a weird one. UCLA scored what looked like a touchdown, and then it was overturned. They said it was at the six-inch line. He was down six-inch line. I think it was Zach Charbonnet. And then it was, like, this weird – they had DTR and, like, a shotgun. So he's, like, at, you know, from the six-inch line, now you're at the five-yard line. And it was this weird, like, like exchange with Charbonnet, and he ends up fumbling it. And – uh, you know, South Alabama goes 80 yards for a touchdown the other way. It was like this crazy turnaround. It was already scored. Like people are playing the fights along and all that stuff. And then they overturn it. And UCLA goes chalk. And it just looked 
clunky the whole play. And it turned like that was a huge turnaround. Like I felt like maybe UCLA doesn't cover, but they they keep you know it's they're more in control of the game if that goes the other way. If that makes sense, probably. Um, but there was there was there were a number of turnovers in this game. Um, one was a South Alabama fumble that if you watch the replay, as I did really didn't look like a fumble on the replay. Um, and if it had been called differently on the field, wouldn't have been, um, like the guy's knee looked completely down and the ball was not out. Um, so there were, there was a lot of this stuff and you know, I, I, this is something that's going to drive me crazy with one of the questions we're going to get. Cause it's somebody basically banding about your talking point there. Yeah. There's turnovers in football. UCLA had two, Alabama, South Alabama had two, right? South Alabama's two. Uh, resulted in a short potential drive for UCLA and a long potential drive. UCLA turned those into two field goals. South Alabama got two turnovers from UCLA. One required a long touchdown drive, and the other one required a short touchdown drive. They scored touchdowns on both of those. That's the difference. It's what you turned those turnovers into. Uh, UCLA was not effective enough offensively. They didn't convert drives. And South Alabama really was, and I think that's the worrying sign for UCLA. It's not in... Look, UCLA, even if it's a very good Sunbelt team, should be able to beat a very good Sunbelt team at home. And I don't think South Alabama is very good. I think they're solid. I think they're average. Um, just that's the best opponent they've played. Uh, but the fact that the defense looked that bad against the Sunbelt opponent should be a very worrying sign for UCLA fans. Yeah. Um, that's true. I agree. Uh, this is not This is not trajectory. You know, the trajectory is not where you want it to be if you're UCLA. It was the first win for UCLA since when they were trailing at halftime, 17-13 at halftime since uh, 2019 against Washington State. Um, this is the first time they allowed second point, second half points this season. So, a little note for you there on the Bruins. Uh, let's see. Let's go to our number 17. The Arizona Wildcats. Um, so, Arizona... So this was okay. So people are going to look at this and say, "Oh, they only beat an FCS team by three. Oh, it's North Dakota State. I know they're good." But I, watching this, what stood out to me is that North Dakota State um, eyeballing them, they'd be a top twenty-five team in FBS this year. Like I, I, I don't think that's saying too much, but like they've got real size. They can really run the ball. Really, really, really run the ball. Um, this was a good win for Arizona. Like they, they were, uh, I thought about even with North Dakota state, maybe North Dakota state looked a little bit better, but Arizona's offense, particularly at the end was moving the ball and doing some good things. And they got just enough defensively to, to shut down North Dakota state in the fourth quarter. But I thought it was a really good win. Um, you know, they had to make a little bit of a comeback, um, and they did it, you know, our man Jason Shear was basically uh, calling calling the Wildcats dead. Um, They're entering the fourth quarter, and um, they uh, they rallied. Um, I thought Jaden Delora, after playing a, a really really tough game against Mississippi State, um, was a lot better in this one. He was running the ball effectively, which must have been coached up. But um, Arizona was able to run the ball pretty well. Uh, Jonah Coleman, I liked what I saw from him. Um, Michael Wiley looked fine. Um, Rayshon Luke had one really big run, 28 yards. Um, you know, I, I, you could get worried about the run defense, but I do think North Dakota state's just really good at what they do. They're really good at running the football. Um, but 
to win this game at home, 31-28, this is a game that a lot of people, I mean, North Dakota State was favored. Um, this game that a lot of people were thinking Arizona was going to lose. So um, I think it's a nice win. Good win for Jed Fish. Big win. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, this. Um, you're talking about North Dakota State. They they beat um, FBS teams the last, you know, they had a six-game winning streak against FBS teams. So pretty impressive uh, there. Um Arizona was up at half, and if you follow Jason Shear on this one, he was just it was going back and forth. Arizona really wasn't tackling very well. Uh they couldn't get a stop in the second half. So uh I mean Shear was talking about like there's no way they're gonna win this game unless they can get a stop. But um uh, they hung with them. You know, I think it was a tough game, a big win. I mean, there's we saw some teams celebrating wins against, you know, lesser competition, like Sunbelt teams or whatever, uh celebrating hard. I think this was one you could celebrate hard. This is a tough team. Um, and, uh, you know, I, North Dakota state, they look like they're like, it's like one of those things where, you know, the athletes aren't as good, but they're just really well coached. It's like De La Salle back in the day, right. Where they're just, they're going to win games because they've got the thing they run and they know how to run it. Yeah. And they're very good at it. Um, so Arizona had the talent and, uh, there's lots of times when talent doesn't win out and, uh, it won out in this one. So props to the big, big win for, uh, Jed Fish, and, you know, I think their schedule is still really freaking tough, but, you know, they're going to have an opportunity to try and, um, you know, make a bowl this year, which would be a huge improvement over 1-11. Yep. Our number six team. The Washington State Cougars. Meow. No, we can't do it. We can't. You give them a growl? Meow. Uh, nice. all right, I'm, I'm ready to turn, I'm, I'm ready to turn over a new leaf on Washington state. I, I've, I've forgiven them for Idaho now. Um, okay. I think six is maybe even a little low for, but it's just hard. The, the middle of the league is actually seemingly pretty strong. Um, Washington state blew out Colorado state 38 to seven. It was never close, never competitive. Um, they massively covered the spread. This is the one where Ryan and I differed. Um, uh, if I had known going in, that Colorado State's quarterback was yet another stupid coach's son, Clay Mellon. I probably wouldn't have done this, but I did. And so I have to own it. But I'm just telling you, if I'd known that, if I'd known literally a thing about Colorado State, aside from the fact that they were bad, I wouldn't have done this. Nice. Um, Cam Ward had the first game where I thought, okay, now I see the guy that they were looking for. Like, I see what they were talking about. So hopefully that continues for him. He looked really good in this game. Uh, offensively, this was the first the first game where they really got going and the defense once again showed up. Um, you know, that defense is a real thing now. Uh, Washington State is uh, certainly built on that solid defense. But um, I think, OK, maybe they were ironing out kinks in game one. Maybe it was a weird deal because Idaho might actually be OK this year. Um, their coach appears to be pretty good. He's a first year guy. So now Washington State, they've, they've gotten rolling the last two weeks. So um, I'm, I'm back on the Coug train. Yeah, I think we got an email when I get back to the studio. I think they sent me the, the coup growl again so I can add it back. Um, and I'm cool because I, to, I told you guys, like, if Washington State covers this one and I get to beat David, I'm, I'm back in on the coup growl. So, uh, yes, this is the one we had wrong, different. And, uh, yeah, uh, Washington State easily covered the 17. They've held up all three opponents to 17 points or less so far this season. That's including a road trip to Wisconsin. Um, the defense again was just stifling for Colorado State. Cam Ward felt he was dealing pretty well. Um, it's the first time they went undefeated in non-conference play since 2019. Um, so 
props to Washington State. Colorado State's not that good, but you win the way you should win. It wasn't like an Idaho win. This was like a impressive win. And yeah, you don't you take anything away from a team doing what it should against a bad team, and they did yeah. what they should against a bad team. Hundred percent. All right, let's go to uh, our number five team. The Oregon Ducks. Yeah, and no, so, okay, so quack, quack, quack. Uh, Oregon fans are obviously going to be upset about this. And again, it's unfair. We are still digging Oregon for losing by 46 points to Georgia. Um, but it should be noted. Hang on. Let me let me just make sure of something really quick. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Hang on. Hang on. This is great radio, but it's okay. Um, yeah, they that's the head of Washington State. Like That's still more than they've beaten anyone else by. They beat South Carolina by 41. They beat Samford by 33, but they beat Oregon by 46. So I'm just, you know, just let's let's remember that. Um, okay. Oregon, uh, though, blew out BYU. Uh, again, another game that was much more of a blowout than the final score indicated. It was 41-20, uh, but this was a bloodbath going into the fourth quarter. It was, I think, 38-7. Um yeah, I mean Oregon. Oregon looked really, really sharp. Yeah, they pulled uh, they pulled Bo Nix, and then I think BYU scored a couple touchdowns or something. Yeah, yeah, basically Bo Nix uh, had a really good game. Uh, he had five combined touchdowns, three rushing, two tu- uh, two passing. Um, was really effective throwing the ball. BYU looked um, lethargic and bad. I don't know how much that Baylor game took out of them, but they did not look like a number twelve team in the country by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but Oregon's defense was okay. Um, they really shut down the run. Um, BYU had to throw it to make anything happen. And, you know, really all that came late. Um, but for the most part, uh, Oregon really dominated, um, yeah, kind of all levels. Yeah, this was a signature win so far for Lan Danning. And I thought the Ducks came out really strong, you know, uh, you saw a, another good performance by Bo Nix. Uh, it was uh, late in the second quarter. There was fourth and one in, uh, their own, in Oregon's own territory, and uh, they went for it and uh, got it. I think that was like a you know a boost. Um, there was a fourth and two conversion on the drive, and it, that led to a touchdown right before halftime. So uh, I, I think some some better coaching decisions were made, and just they kind of rallied the troops and really just put it to BYU. Now, maybe you don't pull your starting quarterback that early uh, sometime in the third quarter because uh, BYU had cut it to, you know, 38 to 20. And then people are talking like, okay, but they put him back in and um, BYU, they also did well. Uh, you know, BYU went for it on fourth down four times, didn't convert any of them, but yeah, just a, a good overall solid win uh, for the ducks. And, you know, I think number five is good for where they are right now. Just look at the teams that are that are you know that we have ranked ahead of them. But um, you know they're going to get an opportunity to kind of show themselves in Pac-12 play, and we'll see. If, do they look like this going forward, or when you play a team with real talent, uh, are they going to like struggle? Uh, I'm curious to see. But um, you know, it, as good as you could have done for Oregon after getting that blowout, you know, on the road, you know, basically on the road to Georgia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Next, we've got uh, number four, the Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> um, Oregon State. So I'll, I'll just fair warning. I didn't watch a minute of this game, not even a second. Uh, but they they absolutely annihilated 
Not quite uh, uh, North Dakota State, but the next closest thing. Montana State's a really good FCS, and they uh, just absolutely bit, beat the piss out of them. Just crushed the life. Five rushing touchdowns, four passing touchdowns, beat them by 40, scored 68 points. I don't care who you're going against. That's a lot of points, and this is a very good FCS. So Oregon State looking ready, looking ready. I think so. Um, I didn't watch a lot of this either. It was uh, 34-14 at the half. We both got this right. We also got the Oregon game right, just to just uh, keep an, uh, keep up with that. But, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. Oregon State was favored by 13 and just pound the, you know, pound the crap out of a, a pretty good FCS school in Montana State. Um, yep. So, love the way Nolan's playing. Um, yeah, this is uh, 3-0 Oregon State. And uh, they're, you know, they got some opportunities to uh, really make a splash here in the Pac-12. Absolutely. Our number three team, the Washington Huskies. Ruff, 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 ruff. Uh, speaking of things that are going to make a splash, speaking of uh, guys who are really showing up, Phoenix man, <laughs> man, he is, he is, he is rocking out. Um, he is uh, showing off. Oh my god. Oh my God, RG3 on the call for this game was having more fun with the Phoenix stuff than I am. Uh, he, he's like, his nicknames needs to be Big Phoenix Energy. Uh, and he was like borderline not going Penix. Like he was like, it was almost like a middle pronunciation where he was like playing with it, but it was like Penix. Like that's where he was going with it. Um, Michael Penix, though, uh, just was incredible in this game. Like the, the first half, especially, it was like he couldn't he, he couldn't throw a bad ball. Um, anything that was bad was dropped. Like it was just because it was dropped. Um, he was he was just lights out. Second half was a little bit more shaky, but um, almost 400 yards passing, four touchdowns. Um, if he throws like that, there's there's few teams that are going to be able to hang with Washington. Um, no, it's probably not going to happen every game, but he's playing better than he's ever played in his life. Uh, Michigan State, this was uh, so this the game finished 39 28, but do not let that fool you. Washington had full control over this game, it was a blowout, it was a three touchdown lead at halftime, um, uh, maintained through the third quarter, and it was only at the very end of the game where Washington was really taking the you know, taking the foot off the gas that uh, Michigan State scored. Um, defensively, they really handled Michigan State. Um, they really shut down the run very well. Uh, but offensively, if if Phoenix plays like this, there's 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 going to be few teams that can you know really hang with them in the league, which is why I have Washington as like a major contender at this point. Yeah, they definitely have to be. We both got this one right. Washington was favored by three and a half, even though Michigan State was ranked number 11 in the country. They are not that good. Um, I like early on, and it was fourth and goal, and Washington went for it. I think it was like a 7 nothing game or something like that. It was something early, and uh, they get stuffed. But then they turn around and force a safety. Uh, it was 29-8 to eight at the half. Um, and for me, when you look at, you know, you get defensive coaches out there and they're like trying to avoid offense, like have a good offense. A good offense does a lot of stuff for you. You can, you can put all the emphasis you want on the defense, but score points. Washington is instantly relevant. People are talking about them nationally because they're scoring points. Like that's what this is. Um, this was a, the Washington had a six game losing streak to uh, ranked big, big 10 opponents. The last time they won a game, Against the ranked Big Ten opponent was against Michigan, 
number 11 back in 2001. So it's been a while, uh, over 20 years. So a uh, big win for the Huskies, big win for Kalen DeBoer. Um, Michael Penix looks really good. Penix. This is, uh, yes. Um, yeah, this looks like, this looks like a legit team and, uh, their schedule is pretty easy. They don't play USC. They don't play Utah. So this is a team that maybe you didn't think you should watch out for, but you should watch out for them this year. Absolutely. Phoenix. Number two, our number two team. The Utah Utes. Uh, they thooped all over uh, the Aztecs. Um, it was 35 nothing after three quarters. Finished 35-7. to seven. Uh, Pretty easy cover for Utah. Um, you know, I mean, they... I, I, so here's the thing. I don't know if San Diego State's any good. Um, their defense appears to have fallen off quite a bit. Um, and... Utah more or less treated them like they do in FCS school. Um, you know, the, San Diego State's never going to threaten you really with their offense. Um, but Utah was also having their way with them um, uh, on their own offensive end. So I don't know how much to take from this, but Utah's still very good. Um, the thing with Utah is Florida appears not to be very good, which is why we're maybe a little bit more skeptical about Utah than we were heading into the season. But still... We have a number two. They're still blowing teams out, um, but now we're going to see heading into conference play. Yeah. Um, you know, this was a rough start for Utah. At the beginning, I'm like, uh-oh, are they going to cover this 21 points? You know, they did. San Diego State's defense was playing pretty well early on, and then Utah kind of got their rhythm, um, you know, utilizing the tight ends like they like to do a lot. Uh, got a couple touchdowns in the second quarter, and then things just kind of uh, and then they got a, a late TV t- touchdown right before halftime. So it looked like it was going to be like a slog fest early. And then it's like 21, nothing and a half. So like, okay. Um, only allowed 173 total yards, 3.1 yards per play for San Diego state. Um, in the last two games, Utah's only allowed 258 combined yards. So pretty crazy. So, you know, really good defensive performance. The offense started a little slower and then they got it going. So kudos to Utah did what you're supposed to do. Avenge the loss to San Diego State. Don't let those Mountain West teams get over the BYUs of the world. Get over on the Pac-12. You got to bounce back, and I think the Pac-12 did that, especially this week. Uh, all right, we got one last one. Our number one team, <sighs> USC Trojans. Shoot. Um, this was a really disappointing game, not because USC won. I, I assumed they were going to win, and I assumed they were going to cover. Um, it was the uh, Jake Hayner injury uh, appeared to, I don't know if we got any official word on the injury, but appeared to tear every ligament in his knee, uh, <laughs> at least watching live, which was unfortunate to see. Um, with that, I think any hope for like any kind of comeback for Fresno State sort of went down the drain. Logan Five came in and was effective enough throwing the ball, but he wasn't Jake Hayner. Um, he, was, he was like 11 of 12. Like he was better. <laughs> <laughs> well, statistically, but he wasn't yeah. making the same kinds of throws. Um, yeah. He wasn't challenging the defense in the way that Hainer was. Um, yeah, USC's offense is really, really good. Uh, Travis Dye, I really enjoyed watching in this game. Uh, in the first half, he was really tone setting. Um, Caleb Williams is really good. Um, I would say still for USC, the run defense appears to have some um, – kinks to work out and it still looks like an Oklahoma defense uh, for better or worse, but they are sacking quarterbacks a ton. They are uh, generating a bunch of turnovers via pressure. Um, 
I think it's not sustainable at the rate that it currently is, but it is sustainable at a level where you can say this USC defense is going to be a little bit boom or bust. They're going to try to get after quarterbacks. They're going to try to create disruption. It's going to lead to more turnovers, but it'll also probably lead to a lot of explosive plays against. Um, the thing is, USC's offense is so good that you have to be equally good um, to keep up with them. So I think if you're looking at Pac-12 teams that I think can actually challenge USC, I'm really interested to see Oregon State this weekend. Um, I think Washington um, has potential. I think UCLA actually has potential because um, there's only so many points you can score on a bad defense. Um, you know, you can still only score eight maximum per possession. Um, and UCLA's offense, I think, has the capability of taking advantage of this USC defense. But... Like Utah, I'm wondering, like, do they have the offensive firepower to keep up with USC? Um, and that's where I think you got to start making kind of different calculations about this USC team because I think their offense is truly that explosive. Yeah, they um, so they've scored touchdowns on at least their first three drives of all three games. So that that helps when you can kind of like just get out of the gate that quickly. This was different, though, like Stanford, they weren't even facing third downs. This one, they were converting thirds and fourths, and um, they were more methodical drives. So I thought that was, a, you know, it's just a different look. Instead of scoring quickly, there was more, you know, the longer drives, so they can do it in different ways. When it was third down, and like, wow, they're facing third and long, and they would still convert, or they would get it close, and they would convert on fourth down. So I thought that was all positive. Um, they had a uh, interception right before halftime. Hail Mary attempt by Jake Hayner, and you feel bad he gets the interception here. But Malcolm Epps, the big tight end, was back there in coverage, and he ends up picking the ball off. So he caught a touchdown later in the game. He had an interception. It was the second Pac-12 player since 1996 to have a receiving touchdown and interception in the same game. Uh, Washington State's Marcus Williams did it back in uh, 2000 against Cal. But that was a they, they announced that there's an offensive player. Uh, wearing, I mean, you know, offensive player wearing number 19, but there's a defensive player, a safety, uh, Jalen Smith, who starts, and they announced him as the guy that made the interception, but it wasn't him. It was uh, Malcolm Epps, the tight end, made the pick. Got it. Uh, when you say Malcolm Epps like that, it makes it makes me think that you're saying Malcolm X, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's a bold thing to name your kid. Yeah, uh, but uh, we both got this one right, too. USC was favored by 12, uh, and they won 45-17. All right. Uh, why don't we take a quick break and we will come back and uh, uh, do our picks and try to get to some questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions. We gotta get we we got limited time, so we're gonna have to try to get through these quickly. And maybe we don't get to do as many questions today, David, but we'll uh, we'll do our best. We will do our very best. Uh, week four picks in the game. Less picks now because we got conference games. Uh, but we've got UCLA at Colorado to kick things off. This is 11 a.m. on the Pac-12 Network. UCLA Bruins. Uh, should I do them again? No, we don't need no, them. No, you don't need to do them. No. All right, UCLA taking on Colorado. UCLA is a 21-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against Colorado. It's on the road. It's in Boulder. Oh, my. UCLA didn't look good last week. Got to take UCLA. You want to know why? Do you know why, Ryan? Because uh... Colorado's the worst team in human history. <laughs> they're going to go 0-12, and, and they're going to go 0-12 against the spread. Vegas is not catching up at any point. UCLA to cover 21 and a half. Yeah, like, I mean, it was 28 basically last week uh, at Minnesota. Does it change a lot that you're in Boulder and it's UCLA and not Minnesota? Yeah, I got no problems with that. I'm going to take UCLA too. Uh, Can't pick anything Colorado related until they prove otherwise. And they have not done that yet. So I will pick the Bruins. Absolutely. All right. We got number 15, Oregon at Washington State. This is on 1 p.m. on Big Fox, number 15, Oregon, taking on Washington State on the road. Oregon is a six-and-a-half-point road favorite over the Cougars. Uh, but we just sat here talking about how Washington State's impressed us. Their offenses look better. Uh, their defense has played uh, great in three straight games. Oregon um, has been good, but they're a different team on the road. Give me Washington State. Yeah, I'm going to go Washington State as well. If, uh, if Oregon goes, goes in and wins— just with the six and a half points. Like, I could see Oregon win. Then I'll be back ones. to thinking Oregon's a full contender in the league. Yeah, I think that's where we would have to be. Um, but right now, I mean, it's like, that was a really good win against BYU. Washington State's got a really good win, too. So, I, I feel like at home, six and a half points, like, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, I could. I feel it could be a coin flippy kind of game. So, if you're going to give me almost a touchdown, I will take those points. Next up, we got Arizona at California. 2.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Arizona traveling to Berkeley to take on the California Golden Bears. Cal is a three-point favorite. I have no feel for this game whatsoever. Uh, but I will say this. Um, I like uh, three guys on Arizona's team, and I can name one guy on California's team, so give me Arizona. You know, um, I, I was going to pick Arizona as well, but I think I'm going to go with Cal. Uh, likely regrettable going on. Just like, eh, you know, the people that were kind of doubting, like, I don't think Cal's that good. Um, I think they can win a close game at home. And a three-point spread, if it was more than three, I think I would definitely take the points. But it's sort of a wash when you're talking about that small of a spread. So I will take the sturdy Golden Bears and uh, see where we go from there. Jeez. Is that bad? Loser. Uh, We'll see. Uh, it'll be one of those narratives, you know, like later on. We're like, see, I told you Cal's not that bad. 
Um, number seven, USC going on the road to Corvallis to play Oregon State. 6.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, number seven, USC on the road taking on Oregon State. Battle of Undefeateds, why it's on the Pac-12 Network is some convoluted reasoning you can read about from John Wilner this week. Uh, we, we USC talked about it last week, actually. Yeah, whatever. USC is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, same principles, really, as the Oregon-Washington State game. I'm going to take Oregon State here uh, because I do think they have the offense to potentially keep up with USC. Um, Corvallis is a weird place to play. I think Jonathan Smith is maybe top two coaches in the league. Um, and USC is due for one of those weird games, like where it just kind of goes a little bit wrong in a way that it hadn't previously. Um, so I don't know that they lose, but I think it could be a real nail biter. So I'll take Oregon state until USC doesn't cover a spread. I'm not going to pick them to not cover the spread. I will pick USC in this one. I feel a lot better now that Dave will get this one wrong. So even if I get the Cal Arizona game wrong, I'll, I'll make up for it with this one. Um, USC had their kind of clunker offensive performance against Fresno state and scored 45. So, uh, they had to convert third downs, fourth downs. Caleb Williams had 12 incompletions. He did. He looked more mortal. And they still just boat race the team. So I feel like Oregon State's not going to be able to stop them. They'll score a bunch of points. I think Oregon State's going to run the ball well. But I'll take USC. If it's less than a touchdown, no way I would not take the Trojans. All right. Number 13. Hey, really quick. How's USC done in Corvallis over the last, like, I don't know, 15 years? How did they do last year in in the Coliseum against Stanford and against – and, you know, they they got crushed. There's a whole different team. Uh Uh-huh. And it's half a stadium. Uh-huh. Half, half the stadium's gone. I will yeah, that'll be that'll be a weird kind of surreal environment. I agree. It'll be tough. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Okay. Number 13, Utah at Arizona State. 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. Number 13, Utah taking on ASU. Um, Utah's a 15.5-point favorite. So it's always tricky. You know, ASU, uh, they got a new coach. He's going to try to inspire them, the whole thing. Um, it's on the road for Utah. I'm going to take ASU. I'm going to take the 15 and a half points. Um, it's a little too much. I mean, I think ASU has enough talent that they can um, maintain a relatively close game for a good long stretch of this one. And I think Utah probably wins by two scores. But, I mean, you're asking me to 15 and a half? Nah. They'll win by two touchdowns. Um, yeah, I think it's the same sort of thing. I'm going to take ASU in this one as well. Um you know, one of the things that we, you know, if it was a big spread one way or the other, it would just just think the Arizona State team's going to have it close. Now, they're probably not going to have this one that close. And I don't know if Utah's going to go in there and try to boat race a team that just lost their head coach. Maybe they will, but I will take Arizona State as well. Uh, this yeah. is a lot of points. So I, I could see Utah winning by 10 14, kind of just cruising. Um, and now that we've said this, they're probably going to win by like 40. So we'll see what Absolutely. happens. Uh, but, you, you know, USC, when they fired their head coach last year and uh, Dante Williams didn't do a really good job, he did a great job in the first game. They went to Washington State and got a win on the road, and it was kind of downhill from then. So maybe it's a home game. Uh, I know the interim head coach, the, the name's blanking me right now, but, uh, you know, he's popular. Sean Iguana. Yeah, so popular. So I think maybe they rally and kind of keep it close. Um, I don't think that the prospects for the rest of the season are good. But 15 and a half, right after the firing, I think uh, I'll take ASU. And the last one, we got Stanford at the number 18 Washington Huskies. 
7.30 p.m. on FS1, Stanford taking on Washington in Seattle. Washington is a 13.5-point favorite. Give me Washington. I don't oh. think – I don't think – so there's two teams I don't think Vegas has caught up with. I don't think they've caught up with Colorado, and I think everyone is still overinflating Stanford based on their recruiting rankings over the last five years. Stanford's really bad. Washington is going to blow them out. Yeah. Uh, UW by a million. By four touchdowns. Let's call yeah. it that. Something like that. Okay, cool. Uh, those are our picks. So we got six picks against the spread. Two of them we have different. So we'll see how uh, we end up doing. Should we jump into questions? Questions. We'll do it. We'll, we got like We're going to try to do rapid fire. Rapid fire. Yeah. Uh, I got a text message. It says from the best college football podcast. Hey, guys. Uh, I've been listening since 2015. Love your amazing work, Ryan. Would you rather? Question for Dave. Would you rather be forced to attend every Iowa home game in person or have to wear a USC jersey all the time? You guys inspired me. Check out the best college football podcast at alabamacheats.com. USC jersey, no question about it. Really? (laughs) No question about it. Go to Iowa? I don't want to go to Iowa. I just don't want to go. Yeah, no way. Um, All right, somebody about the growl. Uh, We got one from Mike in Oakland. Give the Cougs some love. Okay, Dave, can we stop talking about the Cougs' first game of the season since we have finished week three? The Cougs took care of CSU on defense and had a good day on offense, not to mention they went into Camp Randall Stadium and got a win. Give us some love. Go Cougs. Mike in Oakland. P.S. Chip coached a great game against Alabama West Technical this week. Please give him an extension. Mike, I hate you. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. All right, Mike. Thanks for that one. Um, I think we've got... Uh, hypothetical from Nick. Gentlemen, after watching the ridiculous UCLA versus Alabama, South Alabama game, where we literally watch a team from the Sun Belt spend the morning and early afternoon bullying around my Bruins, my only conclusion is UCLA came into this game unprepared, overconfident, and undermanned to play a vanilla scheme and and middling Sun Belt team. This is all on the coaching staff, which made me wonder when Chip was hired. And for the record, I never liked to hire, but I Wow, he didn't like the hire. Everyone liked the hire. But I agree, they had to make it. Where would UCLA's football where would UCLA's football be following things have happened? One, UCLA hires Jed Fish when they hired Kelly. Oh God. Um They would have maintained more of the roster from the end of Mora, which is which has both good and bad ramifications. They would have continued to recruit high school. Um UCLA would be better right now, obviously. I don't think there's any question about it. I think um, whatever you want to say about how Kelly has things going right now, um, the failed personnel strategy from the first two or three years continues to bite them in the ass. All right. And then UCLA doesn't fire Jim Mora. Uh, I don't know if he would have been able to get it back together, to be honest. Um, I think he was so bitter, so upset with UCLA. If they didn't fire him right then, it would have been after the next year. Um, I don't think it was going to suddenly turn around. Um, so I, I think that hypothetical where they just continue with Mora probably ends with them being like two and 10 at some point. Um, just he, he was, he was too, um, just resentful. I think of UCLA by the end. Uh, UCLA does not extend chip last year and hires Caleb DeBoer. Shut up, Nick. <laughs> UCLA, so you didn't think that yeah, obviously shut up, Nick. It's offensive to even yeah, consider. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to think about that. Yeah, UCLA hires Rocky Long instead of Chip. I don't know. I don't know if Rocky's got it in to be a head coach, but uh, for like a major FBS program with all the recruiting involved. But um, 
probably better. I mean, I, I think there's a few things that could have been worse than Chip Kelly through the first three years. Yeah, and then he wanted to end it with, uh, when Chip leaves, will personnel be at its worst? Uh, That's a good question. Um, it depends on if it's after this year or next year. If it's after next year, yes. Um, if it's after this year, borderline. Um, after Durrell, what New Eisel inherited was an absolute pile of dog shit. Um, so I think it'll be in similar uh, straits, but we'll see. Okay. All right, uh, next up we have Matt. Uh, no, no, we don't. No. That's a uh, solicitation. Uh, we have Alex and Arcadia. Pac-12 respect quickly because you've been taking too long already. Thank you, Alex. Washington better than expected. Oregon State, Washington State, USC all better. Utah up there. Oregon is okay. Arizona going to compete. UCLA as well. UCLA the other well. Is the Pac-12 not getting respect with all that? Is the Pac-12 not getting respect with all that attention on UCLA and their lack of attendance? Seems to be the national narrative. Thanks again. Yes. The Pac-12 is obviously better than it was last year, like critically better, significantly better. And so much of it has to do with USC and Washington being much better ahead of time, much quicker, way ahead of time in their turnarounds. Uh, Kalen DeBoer has had an immediate effect at Washington. Even if you didn't have them blowing these teams out, that offense is watchable for the first time in seemingly a decade. Um, but it's it's fun to watch Washington, and they're really good. USC obviously already looks like a top 10 Oklahoma team from the last 10 years. Um, and everyone else is, you know, what they were expected to be. But those two teams being way better than expected at this point um, means that the estimation of the Pac-12 should definitely be higher than it is right now. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Uh, I think Washington State should be ranked. Oregon State should be ranked. Um, and they're not. And, you know, it's going to take Oregon State to, like, upset USC to get ranked, which sucks. You know, they should be ranked coming into this game. Uh, Washington State always got to, you know, win against a ranked team on the road, you know, in the Big Ten. So they're just not getting the love. And, uh, you know, that's kind of more of a history thing. So, uh, But you need, like, a couple seasons like this in a row, uh, especially if Utah would have won that. I mean, it's, I, if Utah would have beat Florida, I think that would have helped some of these other teams kind of get ranked, too. It's one of those other offshoots of it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Our friend Equity Bruin wants to know your thoughts on Bill Walton. Um, I guess there was some, you know, he, he, he gave some thoughts about a homeless person. Yeah, Bill, Walton's, Bill Walton's uh, got some very nimby uh, tweets and comments to the San Diego mayor uh, about homeless people. Um, my feeling on it is that Bill Walton is um, basically every other white person from San Diego who's ever been from there. Um, so... It's an unfortunate reality. It's, uh, you know, your heroes, uh, they're always uh, much worse than you expect. Um, and, uh, yeah, Bill Walton, you know, 90% it's good. 10%, he's a nearly 70-year-old white guy. You know, you, you, come, you, you get some weird politics. Like, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's the reality of it. And, um, you know, I think there is, you know, if you want to get my thoughts on homeless stuff, I mean, it's a little bit more nuanced, but... Um, you run into some other seeming, seemingly liberal people who their ability to, um, empathize stops when it's in their backyard. Um, and that's the reality of a lot of liberals, a lot of conservative politics is if you, if it, you know, if it starts to touch on you personally, it changes your viewpoint on things. And I think for Bill here, he's, uh, he's, he's gone the unempathetic route because the reality is, you know, 
the homeless people are the symptom of the problem, not the problem itself. You know, um, if you think of them as the problem yourself, that's, uh, that way lies the purge friends. Um, so anyway, my, uh, my mom worked with, uh, well, she was a nurse practitioner and she worked for healthcare for the homeless in Boston, which was for like 25 years. So, I mean, I got that, like, I would come home from, uh, the East coast, I mean, from the West coast and like, Hey, where's my winter jacket? She like, it's, She's been given to the homeless people and stuff. So I've yeah. done a lot with that. I'm really offended that the no truck stops use Bill Walton, use that soundbite at the beginning of their show. They should get, they, they need to cancel that. No more soundbite. <laughs> they changed the name of the podcast. I'm offended by all of this. So Equity Bruin, do the right thing. You're part of the problem if you're not. <laughs> uh, this is from Ross. Uh, top QBs. Hey guys, was wondering through three weeks who your top four QBs are in the league. Well, Phoenix. Uh, Caleb Williams, um, Chance Nolan, Chance Nolan, and then the fourth is you could go Cam Rising. I'm fine with that if you want to. Um, you could go DTR. I think he's gotten a bad rap for some of this, but he's only really played in two games. Um, can't go Jaden Delora for obvious reasons. Can't go Emory Jones for obvious reasons. Um, can't, can't go, go Bo Nicks. Can't go Bo Nix. I mean, I think it's probably Cam Rising. Yeah, I would think so. He's not been spectacular, but he's been, you know, he's been good enough. All right, five uh, minutes. We got to race. We got to run. All right. Is this one me or you? I'll do this one. This okay. is from uh, AJW and Jayhawk Country. UCLA question for the pod. Longtime listener, first time writer. The show is meh, but at least it drowns out the thoughts of loneliness in my head. Question for Ryan. Last week, UCLA had an inspiring, emotional, down-to-the-wire, last-second victory. The team they beat is expected to compete for a championship in their respective conference. To me, this shows Chip Kelly can rally his team to compete after taking a punch. With Big Ten money soon coming down the pipeline, is it time for UCLA to reward Chip Kelly with an extension and a larger paycheck? I'm worried under his current contract he may be lured to a higher-paying job. With the record-setting attendance UCLA has seen over the past few weeks, it seems to me UCLA needs to cut the check before it's too late. I mean, I couldn't say it better myself. So, yeah, I'll leave yeah, it what you said, Addison. Question for David. Uh, if UCLA does make the mistake of moving on from Chip Kelly, I've heard rumblings of an up-and-coming coach that could bring the Bruins back to glory. I forget the coach's name, but I know he recently led his Georgia Southern team to defeat the blue-blooded Nebraska Cornhuskers in Lincoln. Seems like a guy that can win regardless of talent differential. Does that seem like a decent move? Keep up the work. I am hoisted by my own petard. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not responding to your trolling. Nice. All right, let me respond to this one because this is oh. this is one that's directed towards me. Um, so this is from Huge Anus and Huge Asshole, but he gets into very weird concern trolling up here, so I want to read it. Uh, hey, Ryan and Dave, it's your buddy Huge Anus back this week with some fill-in-the-blank questions for you. My pal Huge Asshole and I put these together for you. Funny thing about my buddy Huge Asshole, everyone tells us we look alike. Before I get to the questions, I have to get something off my chest. Dave, you were really kind of a dick last week with your post-game broadcast analysis of the South Alabama game. Yeah, we get it. You hate Chip Kelly, and more and more it feels like you hate UCLA football. But your nastiness toward a bunch of kids and how they played in a game versus a good opponent is uncalled for. South Alabama had a lot of talent on their roster if you bothered to look closely. The last <laughs> few years, they've stocked their team with transfers from Oklahoma, Auburn, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida State, and many more Power 5 teams. There was experienced talent on that roster, and there was no shame in a close game for UCLA. Just ask Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and Nebraska about playing Sunbelt Conference opponents. Furthermore, do you you do realize that UCLA fumbled on the one and again on the five yard lines to cost themselves an easy fourteen points in the game, right? 
Without that, they win by 15, which is exactly what the point spread on the game was. Honestly, UCLA fans don't want to hear you bitch and moan about a team they care about. On to the questions. I'm not going to read your questions. Uh, if you're going to write weird shit like this, don't do the huge anus and huge asshole. Just sign your name. Um, so, no. Here's the reality. Uh, they beat a Sun Belt team by one point in a game they should have lost. Now, you're talking about the fumble on the one. I don't know what friggin' fumble you saw on the five-yard line, but that didn't happen in this game. That must have been in a game in your mind. They fumbled <laughs> on the one, and then they fumbled on their own 20, where it got kicked back to the six-yard line, where then Alabama State or South Alabama punched it in for a score. Uh, Alabama, South Alabama also had two turnovers in this game. One a pick, which was on their own 20-yard line. What did UCLA do with that ball? You? Jack shit. They kicked a field goal after driving it for one yard. Uh, here's the reality. Chip Kelly has done a number on the program. They don't have a ton of talent. And they're about even with a Sunbelt team at home. If you want to be happy about that, that's fine. I wasn't a huge dick to players in the postgame broadcast. That's you projecting because you can't handle criticism. So, you know, continue crying. Uh, nice. Uh, all right. Let's go to Perk. Big Last one. Uh, Purdue and Ohio State. Uh, Purdue, engineering whiz kids. People who want something to do with uh, agriculture or some folks from the Chicago area that said, sure, why not? Purdue fans don't know how to measure success because nice things don't happen to us. Every football season is marked with at least one. How the fuck did you lose that game? A basketball Big Ten title is treated like the Holy Grail while their rivals down the road have won five national championships. We have Neil Armstrong, Drew Brees, and the world's biggest goddamn drum. Solid trade-off. Ohio State. As a recent grad, I can confidently say Ohio State fans are split into two groups. The first are actual alumni. While we're really into football, we don't act like assholes and care about things like basic human decency. The second are people who went to Bowling Green, Toledo, or just straight up didn't go to high school. Uh, these folks managed to go to all sorts of road games and cause a scene, leading people to think Ohio State fans are arrogant. We don't claim them. We have an OHIO chant. It's cool when drowning out UW fans at the Rose Bowl. It's stupid when we're curb stomping FAU in Columbus in September. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the rundown of the fan bases because you sure as hell aren't going to enjoy covering these teams. Hopefully this contribution finally gets me over the hump and into UW fan Shane's POC top 10 listeners. Have a great weekend, Perk. Love it. It does, it does Perk. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're the man, Perk. We love you. And you, you're a regular. You've really taken over for Hesleday as a regular uh, emailer, and we appreciate that about you. Who? Who's that guy? I don't even remember who that dude is. Yeah, right. I don't remember him. Well, you gotta go. I know you got a hard out. There's planes flying over you. Uh, you know, we. I'm like on the secret location. I gotta like get out, <laughs> get out of here. Literally using the internet on my phone because I don't have internet where I am. So perfect. Uh, but that's gonna wrap it up. David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Champions. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Phoenix. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.